Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Before we jump into the show, I want to let you know that my signature course, Brand Strategy 101, is now open for enrollment inside the Brand Design Masters Academy. This is a foundational course for creative professionals and entrepreneurs who want to get started with brand strategy so you can sell bigger projects, increase your fees for the creative work you already do, and get paid for the thinking and advice you've probably been given away for free. The moment you enroll, you get immediate lifetime access to seven modules of training with over eight hours of instructional videos, 25 lessons in all, plus 24 downloadable strategy tools and conversation guides. In Brand Strategy 101, I've taken complex strategic methodologies used by the world's most respected global branding agencies and crafted them into a deceptively simple turnkey process and toolkit that you can use with your clients, even if you've never done brand strategy before or don't know where to start. Brand Strategy 101 draws from my 25 years of experience working with clients ranging from entrepreneurs to small to medium-sized businesses all the way up to the Fortune 100. So if you're ready to up your game and bulletproof your career and protect your business from the downward pricing pressure of sites like Fiverr and Upwork, then Brand Strategy 101 is the place to start. Just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll in Brand Strategy 101 today. Again, just go to philipvandusen.com BS101 and enroll now. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions but that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform, or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. When I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, I thought we all need just a little bit of an uplifting message, right? We all need to be pumped up a little bit. We really need to get a positive message. And so I immediately started thinking about mindset. And that came to mind because of the experience that people have been having in my Brand Design Master's Guild, my mastermind groups that I run. And that led to me thinking about abundance. And when I think about abundance, I think about success. And then when I think about success, I think about what kind of holds people back from experiencing or feeling success or sensing it. And that led to me wanting to talk a little bit about limiting beliefs. So I'm going to cover a lot of ground today. I'm going to cover ground around mindset, around abundance, limiting beliefs, and success. And I hope you guys are in for that journey with me. So let's talk about mindset, first of all. We're going to talk about, like I said, mindset, success, abundance, and limiting beliefs. So what are limiting beliefs? Limiting beliefs are essentially thoughts that hold you back. So we're going to talk about some techniques to combat limiting beliefs. We're going to talk about abundance, what abundance is, and also some techniques for kind of creating a mindset of abundance. And they're also going to talk about success, what success is, how you gauge success, and how you create a feeling of success in your life. A lot of what all of us are experiencing right now is psychological, I think. The psychological pressures and what that has done to our working lives, our family lives, our social lives has been incredibly complex, I think, psychologically and in many cases oppressive. And I think that our ability to process those thoughts and reframe those thoughts in terms of our mindset and hopefully adopt some new techniques of how we work through those thought patterns that we have. So we end up in a more positive place, in a more productive place, in a place that's going to lead us up and rather than lead us down. So that's what I want to talk about today. I've been hearing a lot of comments and feedbacks from people, things like, you know, I don't have time to do content or I'm too introverted to network or my clients don't value good design or companies in my town don't understand branding and they won't pay for it. I'll never make X amount of dollars because it's impossible. All sorts of very kind of 
self-defeatist sorts of statements. Some of them may be based in reality, but they are essentially reflecting a system of belief. And so we're going to talk about mindset, limiting beliefs, abundance, and success, kind of in that order, because I think they lead through to each other. And a mindset is essentially a system of beliefs. And when you have a system of beliefs, your system of beliefs can sometimes hold you back. They can motivate you. They can inspire you. But there are also belief systems that hold you back, limiting beliefs. And those are what I wanted to focus on a little bit today, because a lot of the comments I've been getting and the problem statements I've been hearing from people, I feel are somehow and somewhat grounded in limiting beliefs. And I know something about limiting beliefs because I've had some in my life a number of times that have been very limiting in my career, and I've done things to overcome them, and they have led to incredible changes in my career. And that's why addressing limited beliefs with my tribe and my audience is very important to me because I know how transformative addressing them has been in my own career and also in careers of people who I have seen and known and led and mentored. And so in some cases, limiting beliefs are real. There are hurdles that exist. There are fortunes of birth, so you could be born into a certain class. I don't want to call this a limit because it's just a reality, but different genders, different geography, countries, born into different sorts of economies, educational opportunities, health issues, physical limitations, cultural environments. There are a lot of things that can be hurdles for people that they need to overcome. And some limits are what we're born into. Some limits are real. I don't want to say that everything is a figment of your imagination because I know it is not. But that said, they can also be imaginary. They can also be self-generated. And even though if they're self-generated, they can seem really real, or they might have been birthed out of something that was real. But then they took hold and took on a life of their own and created this level of concreteness, which wasn't necessarily based in reality. A limiting belief is something that holds you back. It's something that could be fictional, but it could be based, in fact, but when it comes to actually being able to circumvent it, it could be imaginary. Okay, so let's talk about some examples of limiting beliefs type of comments or or self-commentary that we tell ourselves, right? We might tell ourselves, I can't make X amount of salary. And I'm gonna tell you a very personal story about that, about myself in just a couple seconds. I can't make X amount of salary. I can't do X. I'm not able, this blank makes this impossible, or I can't be something because of something else. I don't want to do this thing because if I do, that won't happen. There are all sorts of different kind of limiting beliefs that and kind of internal dialogues that we have with each other. And limiting beliefs are a belief that is holding you back in some way. Now, the personal story I wanted to tell you about was I studied painting in school. I got my master's in painting. And my intention in getting my master's was in order to teach university. And so when I got out with my master's, this was decades ago, I looked for teaching work. And those were the days before the internet where you sent your slides and your resumes around and went to conferences and tried to get interviews. And I looked concertedly hard for teaching work for five years. And the only things that were available were like three months sabbatical replacements or, you know, six months in South Dakota, and then you were out of a job again. I had a really hard time finding work. And in the meantime, I was making a living waiting tables and painting houses and framing pictures and working in retail. I never wanted to do commercial art because in my heart, I was a fine artist. I didn't want to sell out and do commercial art. And also computers had just started coming around and I, they were clunky and they were, you know, kind of rudimentary. And I, so I hated the idea of computers. And so I didn't want to work with computers. I didn't want to do commercial art. I was starting to build up walls for myself. I didn't want to do this. Didn't want to do this. I didn't want to wait tables anymore. I didn't want to frame pictures anymore. I didn't want to work retail. I didn't want to do commercial art. I didn't want to work with computers. And so I was starting to set up brick walls on either side of myself that kept me from being able to explore things. And it was only after I broke down those perceptions or those walls, only then did I start to grow or to succeed. And I moved to New York City and I needed a job. I got a really nice loft apartment and I needed to make $50,000 a year in order to, you know, and back then that was 
a lot. And to pay my rent, to get by, New York's an expensive city, right? And that seemed entirely impossible to me. I was framing pictures at the time and waiting tables, and I was a fine artist. I'm like, who's going to hire me? Because I didn't want to do all these things I'd done to just make money anymore. And my girlfriend at the time, who I lived with, who's you know, was a previous girlfriend, not my wife now, but she said to me, you know, I know you can make a hundred thousand dollars as a designer. You know, that's what graphic designers make. You could be a graphic designer. And I'm like, a hundred thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? That is like totally insane. It was completely outside of my realm of comprehension. And the thing was, when I started to break down some of those limiting beliefs in five years, I was making three times that amount. Five years, I was making three times the amount that I thought was totally insane. So I had built walls of perception for myself that were keeping me limited. I thought my fine art education was worthless. I thought that my skills wouldn't translate in order to design or other any other kind of job. And I thought my artists, my creative skills, that artists in general, fine artists, were supposed to suffer where you were destined to starve. And that was kind of a badge of honor that you were supposed to hold. And I felt the corporate world didn't value creative people and they didn't compensate people. And I hated computers and I hated advertising and I hated commercial art. But those were just perceptions that I had set up for myself. And I was wrong. I was wrong about all of it. But I didn't believe I was wrong. In my head, I had told myself these stories for so long that I was convinced they were fact. And not until I started to break down those perceptions of what I like or didn't like or wanted to do or didn't want to do, did opportunities start to blossom for me? So if you had told me from the time that my girlfriend said you could make $100,000 as a graphic designer and I was hoping to make 50, if you had told me that in 10 years from that period of time, I would be a vice president of design for a major corporation managing 65 people in five divisions, making more than a quarter of a million dollars a year, I would have thought that you were absolutely insane. Like that was completely outside of my realm of possibility. Flying on Lear jets, going to Paris and Milan and Tokyo to go shopping for work, staying in five-star hotels. I thought you were on crack, but that's what happened. I was wrong about all of it, and that's what happened. And it was all because I was able to break down some of those limiting beliefs that I had for myself. And so now let's talk about some techniques, solution techniques for limiting beliefs. One thing you have to be really, really careful of is the stories that you tell yourself. And you have to examine the stories that you're telling yourself and really deeply examine the truth of them or not. You have to examine your beliefs. You have to capture in writing your beliefs. You have to write them down, get them out of your head and get them on paper. I can't do X because of X. I can't make X amount of money because of X. The world is against me because of blah, 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 blah. And really look at what you think is limiting you. What is it that you could do differently? What is it that you could re-examine? What is it that you could experiment with? And in my case, when I said, I never wanted to do commercial art, I hate computers. When I started, I started a t-shirt company. I started selling my t-shirts in Manhattan. Some of you know the story. And I found out I really loved designing t-shirts. And I had my own company for about a year, drove it into the ground, decided that I wanted to work for somebody else. And I got a job with like a $5 million t-shirt company in Dumbo, Brooklyn as a graphic designer. And I lied, said I knew computers. Illustrator was like Illustrator 1.0. And I got the job. Luckily, I didn't have to work with computers right away, but they were using computers to design t-shirts. And so I entered the commercial art world through the apparel industry, through doing t-shirts, something more artistic that I identified with and I liked. And that led to doing t-shirt catalogs, doing t-shirt trade shows, doing t-shirt swag, doing hard goods and accessories. And that was baby steps that took me into the world of being a creative director and also into the world of the fashion industry. And so breaking down that perception I had about how companies value creatives, whether I liked doing commercial art or not, whether I liked computers or not, just opening up those possibilities for myself is what unlocked everything in my career from then forward. And it wasn't until that I said, I have to re-examine the walls that I've built for myself that have kept me on this narrow path of things that I can't do and said, what if I tried computers? So I rented a Macintosh with Photoshop and Illustrator on it and I played around with it and I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. And I got addicted to like learning Photoshop and Illustrator. 
And it was like this huge spark went off in my head. And suddenly I realized, oh my gosh, I'm so passionate about this. And I stopped painting. And my career took off in the fashion t-shirt industry. And that's what that turning point was for me. And it wasn't until I broke down that perception I had built and solidified for myself around what I wouldn't do that that happened. So write them down, break down what you think that you can experiment with. Now, another thing you can do is get another opinion. Ask someone else about their opinion of you, what you could do, what you couldn't do. Now, here's one thing I want to say to you guys is that Be very careful of using people who are in your family as your other opinion. The reason why I'm going to say that, I'm talking parents, I'm talking aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. The reason you don't want to use those people for that other opinion of you or what you're doing is that in many cases, that's where your limiting beliefs came from. That's where those misperceptions of personal belief, identity, can do, can't do, came from. A lot of those people in your family are carrying the same belief baggage that you are. And so be really careful about who you talk to and about those sorts of things. That said, old coworkers, old teachers, old mentors, people in Facebook groups or creative communities like the Brand Design Masters group, you can connect with people like that, bounce things off of them, a coach, you know, mastermind to get different opinions to help you broaden your thought processes and recognize where your limiting beliefs are and where they might be broken down. Another thing you can do is informational interviews. And I actually did a lot of informational interviews when I left my last corporate gig. I was thinking I was wanting to start an accessories company. So I contacted a lot of accessories companies that were in the kind of craft space that I was really interested in. And I asked the CEO or the CMO or whoever I could get a hold of if they would do a half an hour informational interview with me. And I went into their offices and asked them a whole bunch of questions about their business and what they like, what they didn't like, who they did business with, you know what the process of their business was to learn about it. And I learned an incredible amount. They feel no pressure because you're not asking for a job, right? You're just asking for a half an hour of their time. And people love to share. They love to impart their knowledge. So a lot of people were very open to doing this for me. And so that's another way that you can explore things and explore your perceptions around things without too much pressure, either on the person you're talking to who has no vested interest in telling you one thing one way or the other, like a family member would. Another thing you can do is you can find a crazy cheerleader, someone who can pump you up, who can say, you can do this. You can do that. You should try this. Maybe this. Give you ideas outside of your own box, your own narrow lane, your own brick lane that you've built for yourself. Creative communities like the Brand Design Masters, the mastermind groups like the Brand Design Masters Guild, a chamber of commerce, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, professional organizations, the AIGA, the list is endless. Connections you can make on LinkedIn. Just get to know you Zoom calls, bounce something off of them, get to know people. Find your champions because your champions are the ones who are going to be able to seed you with ideas that will get you to the next place or seed you with ideas that will create a spark of curiosity in your head that will lead you to someplace new that is outside of that brick lane. There was a motivational speaker named Jim Rohn who said, you might've heard this, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And I gotta tell you, this is more true than almost any quote I've ever heard. Surround yourself with inspiring, limitless, positive, abundance-minded people, and that will rub off on you. Try to hang out with people who are just a step more accomplished than you are, who know a little bit more than you do, because that's where you're going to get that spark and that motivation. So definitely try to find those champions for yourself. The other thing I'm going to tack on there is that sometimes our limiting beliefs can be very, very deeply seated in ourselves, and it can take only a a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or some sort of actually prescribed medication in order for us to see something more clearly. So if you are stuck to the place that you can't get yourself unstuck using a lot of these techniques that I'm sharing, never feel shame about seeking professional help. I have sought professional help at different times in my career and it's been nothing but helpful and has gotten me to new places. So I would just say, if it gets to that point where you're feeling really, really stuck, therapy can help, psychological help can help. So putting that out there as a ground level kind of base. Let's talk about abundance a little bit. What's the definition of abundance? Abundance is more than enough. And a lack of abundance is everything's taken. 
There isn't enough. And the thing I'm hearing from people a lot, the subcurrent of a lot of comments I'm hearing or problem statements that I'm hearing is that everything is taken. All the clients are taken. My niche is too full. There are no jobs out there. I'm limited in the styles that I can design. I don't want to work with other people. I'm worried that other people will steal my clients or there isn't enough work out there. There are too many designers in the world or there are so many designers in the third world that they're undervaluing everything that we do. Everyone can get a design for $5. Incredibly limiting statements. And the one thing that you have to keep in mind as an umbrella thought through all of this is that you are you. You are different from everybody else in the world. And that is your main advantage is that you are different from everybody else. And you've heard it before, but different is better than better. You don't have to be better than everybody else. You just have to be different from everybody else and different in your own unique way. So part of starting off a mindset of abundance is recognizing your differentiation, brand differentiation, personal differentiation, personality differentiation, the power of the uniqueness of you. And how that is a deserving factor for good things to come into your life. Again, mindset. So let me tell you something. In all my experience through my career and my years and working with my community and my mastermind groups and in my own professional knowledge and experience, there is enough for everybody. There is enough work. There's enough clients. There's enough connections. There are enough companies. There are enough projects out there. The more you believe in abundance, the more abundance you will see. The more you believe there are a lot of clients, the more clients you will see. The more you believe there's a lot of work out there, the more work you will see out there. I'm a firm believer, and I just got off a phone call with an executive coach in Canada, not my coach, but someone who's a business partner and was a client actually. And she has coached a lot of senior executives. And I've coached a lot of people in my career and masterminds and stuff as well. I used to think that this physical manifestation of belief was like way woo-woo, like it was like Reiki, it was like magic, and that it wasn't real. And recently, I have really turned that around. I have been seeing and experiencing physical manifestation of changed belief systems like I have never seen before. She actually, she named it two different things. One, she called it conscious luck, which is that you change your consciousness and your luck changes. Another thing she called it was the universal energy exchange, which I thought was brilliant. And I think that there should be a group or a book or something written called the universal energy exchange. Because if you change your mindset, you change your future. If you change your point of view and your perspective and your belief systems, then that will actually be physically manifested in your life. Now, I want to tell you another little story. And Peter Lewis knows this to be true. And he can say, yes, Philip is right. He's correct. Peter Lewis was in Guild Number 1, Brand Design Masters Guild, my first group mastermind. And when people made the psychological decision and the financial commitment to join that group, something changed for them. Almost to a person, within the first two or three weeks of that guild taking place, their thought processes about investing in their future and changing and advancing in their careers manifested itself in real things, either in real client jobs coming to them, being asked to partner with other guild members as subcontractors on their projects, getting brand new clients, getting the biggest client of their agency's career, like stuff started to happen real stuff. And we actually named it. We called it the guild effect because people joined the guild. They made the financial and the psychological commitment to grow and change and progress more quickly. And things started to happen. It's a mindset shift that brings stuff to fruition in reality. And I know it's really hard to wrap your head around and you might go, oh man, Phil is totally smoking crack. And he's like making this stuff up and he's like gone to the the mountaintop and he's like (laughs) preaching some sort of hooey. He's not. This is real. I'm absolutely convinced. And when I was talking to my friend, the executive coach in Canada, who's worked with like C-suite level executives for decades, she was saying, I see this again and again and again. When people make the conscious commitment to change and alter their mindset, reality follows them. Conscious luck, universal energy exchange, whatever you want to call it. So now let's talk about some techniques that you can use to cultivate a mindset of abundance. One is you want to need to recognize the power of your thoughts. Your thoughts make things happen. Your thoughts frame your reality. 
when I was saying limiting beliefs, my limiting beliefs created brick walls on the two different sides of what I saw was possible in my life. And those were only beliefs. Not until I broke those beliefs down and tried things outside of those beliefs did opportunities and successes manifest themselves in my real life. So are your thoughts based on fear and scarcity? What are the stories that you tell yourself? How can you shift your mindset to one of abundance? You need to write down or share them with a friend for accountability. What are those thought processes that you have that are based in fear, that are based in scarcity, that are based in things not being enough, not having enough of something? Number two, you want to practice gratitude. Gratitude, I'm going to come back to, but gratitude is one of the foundation points of abundance. You have to really be grateful for what you currently have because in doing that, you're recognizing the enoughness of what you currently have. And that will lead to a mindset that leads to more abundance. Tony Robbins was quoted as saying, when you're grateful, fear disappears and abundance appears. This is Tony Robbins, who's like motivational ninja. He said, when you're grateful, fear disappears and abundance appears. So I would recommend keeping a gratitude journal. I've done this for years. I don't do it every day now, but I used to. Start every day with like morning journals whatever the process is people use. And I would write down 10 things that I'm grateful for every day. And in recognizing 10 things that I'm grateful for every day, it could be, I have a roof over my head. I woke up, I had breakfast, my car turned on, whatever that is, things you're grateful for. By recognizing things that you're grateful for every day, it creates an attitude of abundance and enoughness in your life. And that will manifest itself in opportunity of abundance and more moreness in your life. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. Next thing is you want to believe that the sky's the limit. Limiting thinking about one thing. When you center all of your entire thoughts around one thing, you're closed-mindedly focused on, I have to get this job, or I have to get this client, or my design work, blah, 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 or my relationship, blah, 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 whatever that is. If you are focusing too intensely on one thing, that single-mindedness about thoughts or possibilities will block out other things. You have to relax your mind and be open to new things appearing in your life and pay attention and cognizant of when new things are appearing in your life. Let me tell you just, this is a bit of a metaphor. When I was young in my 20s, I hurt my back really badly. I was lifting weights and I herniated a disc into my back. I was in constant pain for almost two years and on massive amounts of anti-inflammatories. It's a wonder it didn't like eat my stomach a lot, but it was a really, really tough experience. One of the things that I learned was that when your back is injured, the muscles tense up around it. So you have to continually stretch those back muscles out because when the muscles tense up, the blood can't get in in order to heal the wound. They, they freeze and then it constricts the healing process. It's the same thing in cultivating a mindset of abundance. You have to relax the mind. You have to relax the intensity for new ideas and new opportunities to come in. This is one of the reasons that people recommend meditation a lot. And I've been practicing a lot of meditation myself recently. And it's a way to calm your mind quiet your mind because a relaxed mind is what will allow new thoughts and new patterns and new ideas and new possibilities to come in. It's the same thing as like the tensed muscle. A tensed muscle can't get any blood. A tensed brain can't get any ideas. It's exactly the same thing. You have to believe that there's opportunity. Next thing you want to do is you want to make sure you cultivate and share your passions and your purpose. So you want to share with others what you know, what you've learned, what you can do, your knowledge, and give it freely. By doing this, by sharing what you know, sharing your knowledge, giving it freely, helping others, providing value to others, it will build your confidence. 
And in building your confidence, it puts you on a much more solid ground in terms of feeling gratitude, feeling a sense of enoughness, feeling a sense of accomplishment. And creating a personal brand really helps with this too, because it's creating a new definition of self outside of your job or outside of the agency that you work for, a new personally owned definition of self. And when you do that, the opportunities to do more, to be more, to own more of it for yourself start to manifest themselves. So sharing with others what you're great at is really helpful in building your confidence. So you want to cultivate and share those passions and share that purpose that you have with others because that will cultivate these positive bowl of ideas and positivity that you own, which will contribute to a sense of enoughness and possibility. And so next is you want to develop mastery experiences. And that is, I've told this story before too, and I'm sure some of you have heard it, which is that my goal is to become 1% better every day, just a little bit better in increments. Because if you become just 1% better every day in 365 days in one year, you are 365% better. If you try to be 365% better next week, you're going to be disappointed. But if you bite it off in tiny little pieces, you can get there. And how you put that into actual practice is that write down big goals. So write down a big goal, a 365-day goal that you have for yourself or a five-year goal you have for yourself. And then break that goal into small incremental steps that you have to do to get there. And maybe a hundred steps, put it on a spreadsheet, big goal, all the steps it's going to take to get there. And maybe even the time it's going to take to do that step. What that does is it breaks down a big, hairy, audacious goal into something that's attainable. You can attain that one step. You can do that one next step. You can do that one next 1% thing. And eventually that goal is going to be there. Case in point, I wanted to start a YouTube channel and I thought YouTube is going to be my new business engine. But you can't have a YouTube new business engine until you have a bunch of content out there. And I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. But I knew that I had to do my first video. I had to post something. I had to do one. Then I had to do two. I signed up for doing a video a week for a year. That's the period of time I gave myself. And I did it. And I kept on going for four and a half years until just about a month ago when I realized I had to put my back into my course. But the point is, I have a YouTube channel that is a new business engine for me. And it started with Step number one, mini goal, put the camera on the tripod. Number two, turn it on. Number three, put some lights on yourself. Number four, start talking, edit it. Teeny little goals that led to that first video getting up there. And then it built and built and built. And within a year, I had 52 videos online. And so that's how it happens. It happens incrementally. Next one is pick your words wisely. Because language, particularly the language that we repeat in our heads, affects how we do everything. It affects what manifests itself in our lives. And as well as what you tell yourself and what you tell others shapes your reality. If you're telling stories of scarcity, what's hard, what's difficult, what's a barrier, what's impossible. If you tell yourself those stories or you're sharing with your best friend that story over and over again, or your girlfriend or people in your mastermind or whatever, those limiting stories, and you're repeating that again, like a tape in your head, blah, 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 blah it will become your reality. It will become harder and harder to free yourself from that inner dialogue, that inner tape loop. You have to break, cut the tape loop. You have to start telling yourself stories and verbally manifesting possibilities, positivity, abundance. Repeat those things and they will become your reality over time. So be really careful about paying attention to what the words are that you're using, the stories you're telling internally and externally. Next, you want to build beyond a growth mindset. So you want to be really curious about other people and their experiences. You want to ask someone every day about their life, about what their goals are, about where their possibilities are. Because in seeing how other people set goals, achieve those goals, move to the next level, you can become a student of that behavior. Yes, you can develop it yourself completely independently, but it's like trying to learn tennis without a tennis instructor. So it's good. And that was goes back to that Jim Rohn quote about surrounding yourself with the five people who influence you the most. You want to surround yourself with people who are setting those goals, achieving those things, having that mindset of positivity and success, because that will rub off on you. So build into and beyond that growth mindset. The next is that you want to think like a beginner. The practice of Zen 
is boils down to beginner's mind. And beginner's mind is having a mindset that is teachable, where you are open. Again, that idea of an open mind that's open to absorb and to be influenced and to have new ideas come in. You want to approach the mindset of abundance like a beginner, like you don't have an understanding of what it is. You, you are just completely, you want to be able to think of possibilities that are completely outside of your realm of perception or your ability to believe to be true. You want to start thinking in a new way. You have to kind of level set and get past your current thought engine and kind of do a reset. Start as a beginner in this thought building process. Number nine is you notice the good. This is an important one. Humans are hardwired in our little reptilian brains, fight or flight, all negative. Like we, the number one motivation that we have is avoid bad things. <laughs> Don't get eaten by the lion. Don't fall off the cliff. Don't get in a car accident. Those are the things that are number one in our mind. It's like avoid negative. You don't want the bad thing to happen. And sometimes in our evolved brains, we get caught in that cycle of like focusing on the negative, trying to make the bad not happen. What's harder to do is to try to focus on the solution more than the problem. One of the things that I told my team and when I was a creative leader in corporations and agencies A lot of creatives would come to me into my office and say, you know, I have a problem with X account manager or X client or X coworker, this big problem, you know, I got this problem. It's like, I have a problem with it. And I would say, look, you're closer to the problem than I am. You can come to me with a problem, but I want you to come to me with a proposed solution. You have to start living more in the solution of what this problem is than in the problem itself, because it's really easy to sit like a pig and you know what I mean? It's much harder to devise a solution. So you have to retrain your mind to start focusing and living more in the solution than in the problem. You have to recognize the good and avoid that reptilian brain that's just thinking about not getting eaten by the lion. And number 10, in terms of techniques you can use to set a mindset of abundance, is that you want to write down your fears and process them through to the very end. This is the first part of speaking daily abundance affirmations. You can establish affirmations, positive thoughts, and repeat them to yourself, like I said, in that inner dialogue, but you do it verbally. But one of the techniques that I use to get out of that reptilian brain fear response mode is that you write down your fears. You write down your fears, the worst case scenario of what could happen, and then you process those in your brain to the very end. Like, I can't become a video editor because I won't get a job and then I'll end up on the street completely unrealistic. If you said, okay, I became a video editor and I couldn't get a job, then what would happen? Okay, I might not be able to pay my rent. Then what would happen? Okay, I'd have to move into my parents. Okay, then what would happen? Or I'd live with my parents for a while and then I'd get a job and then I'd be able to move out. We jump from, I can't be a film editor to I'm going to be living on the street in like two seconds. What you want to be able to do is try to process the fear in micro steps because you start to realize the unreality of the fear, and how worst case scenario is generally never going to happen. And so you have to retrain your mind to think about the positive of what could happen and start to establish those as daily affirmations to write down the gratitude list, the positivity, the options, the possibilities, the newness, the opportunities that come into your life and recognize those and repeat those and share those in daily affirmations, because changing that inner dialogue is what is going to lead to a mindset of abundance in your head, which will then, as I said, manifest itself in your life. Now let's move on to talking about success. Are you successful? What is success? The answer to that really is it depends on where you are. It depends on where you are and where you want to be. So success is that place between where you are and where you want to be. It could be focused on career, it could be focused on money, it could be on a living situation, it could be in a relationship, it could be health or well-being or mental or physical wellness, it could be growth potential. Success is defined by where you are now versus where you want to be. And in many cases, that goalpost changes all the time. The goalpost of success will change throughout your life. If you're 22 right now and a graphic designer and a creative professional or, I don't know, an entrepreneur, Your idea of what success is 10 years from now will be different than it is right now. You may achieve what you have in your head for success, but when you get to that next place, 
you're going to have a different goalpost of success. I absolutely guarantee you. So there was this guy, you guys are familiar with this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but Abraham um, Maslow created a paradigm called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs in 1943. It's a pyramid, but essentially it's a pyramid of needs. It starts with the most basic needs on the bottom, like the physiological needs, food, shelter, sleep. And then it goes up to personal safety, goes up to love and belonging, and then esteem, and then finally into self-actualization. So like seeking happiness, utilizing your talents, much more psychological stuff. Success can be defined on every one of these levels. You can have success in the bottom level of this pyramid. I'm successful because I have a roof over my head, enough to eat, and a safe place to sleep. You can have success in safety. So I'm not going to get eaten by the lion, or I have no war in my country, or we don't have any tornadoes. You know, I'm safe from tornadoes. And you move up this hierarchy, and there's levels of success that can be attained throughout this. So what success means may be completely different for different people, where you are in your life, or where you are in that pyramid. So what does success really mean? When you're young, it could be your success is like, I'm fed, I'm nurtured, I'm emotionally secure, my mommy loves me. Midlife, it might be career, purpose, an improved living condition, renting your own apartment. Midlife, it might be getting married or having a house or owning cars or having a couple kids. Late in life, it might be your health or financial independence or career satisfaction with what you've done in life or leisure or travel. Success means different things at different times in your life. That goalpost, as I said, is always changing. It means different things at different times. And so when I was a teen, I just wanted a girlfriend, I wanted money of my own, and I wanted a cool guitar. Like, that's what I wanted. And I thought, if I get those things, I'm going to be a happy guy for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I got those things by the time I was like, I don't know, 22 or something like that. And then in my 20s, I wanted to sell artwork. I wanted to find a job. I wanted to have a serious relationship. I wanted to live independently. And then as I went through my life, different ages, my needs, my ideas of success totally changed. Essentially, your definition of success will totally and always change. So let's talk about a success questionnaire for you. Are you successful or how do you gauge whether you're successful or not? Number one, have you created a comfortable balance, a comfortable balance between what your goals are and what you have and are grateful for, where you are versus where you want to be? Have you created a comfortable balance between those two things? You can have goals and not have everything that you ever want or ever need and still feel successful as long as you're grateful for the stuff that you do have. So are you establishing a comfortable balance where you are in order to allow for a feeling of success to manifest itself inside of you? And I know this is totally getting woo-woo now. Number two is, are you focused on real value? Giving to others, providing value to others, to teams, creating solutions for people, collaborating with people, offering value to the world and legacy of change and goodness is what gives people the feeling of success. Cash and prizes, you've heard it from every celebrity in the world, every billionaire in the world. Money doesn't buy happiness. You can be successful by certain definitions, but does Jeff Bezos feel like super successful because he has $10 zillion? Or does he feel successful because he's been able to make it possible for everybody to have whatever they need overnight delivered to their house? What is that definition of success? Are you focusing on real value in your own life? Are you delivering value and focusing on delivering real value to others in your life? Because that is one of those things that will help bring you a feeling of success. Now, have you achieved a goal? When you achieve a goal, you've got to stop. It's really easy to like look at that next goal, that next step, that next thing you want for the goalpost, the second you reach that goal to suddenly be 10 yards ahead of you again. You have to stop and congratulate yourself for that success, for that job well done. You have to momentarily stop that goalpost from shifting forward really quickly because that moment of success and accomplishment is fleeting. And so that's one method you can use is that stopping to recognize achieving a goal. And then another one is, did you achieve recognition? Recognizing whether you have, and I'm not talking about fame here. I'm not talking about getting famous. I'm talking about, did you get some sort of recognition, internal, external, from the people you're providing value to of a job well done? Another one is, are you asking yourself the right questions? So not how much money you make or what title you have, 
But a question like, did I make a difference? Did I help people? Is the world a better place? Did I help someone with something get to a new place, feel more fulfilled? What makes you a success today? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself the good questions. What value did I add? Who did I help? What did I bring to the world? What did I provide with my hard work? Not what did I get? What were my cash and prizes? Because I tell you, the cash and prizes are not where success resides in your heart. If you talk about fleeting sense of success, fleeting senses of success have dollar signs on them. I guarantee you. And lastly, and I kind of touched on this already, which is, do I inspire others? Who can I uplift? Am I doing enough to help others? That is a real indicator of success. So ask yourself that question as a success questionnaire question. Do I inspire others? Now, gratitude. I'm going to end with gratitude because the most important piece of all of this, I said I was going to circle back to it, so I'm circling back to it, is gratitude. You have to be grateful for where you are when you're there. Like I said, stopping, recognizing the success, recognizing your accomplishment. Be grateful for what you have now. That will fill you with a sense of abundance. So gratitude for wherever you are equals abundance. Stop and be grateful for every achievement. That will bring to you a mindset of success. And then helping others will help you be even more successful. And if you can stay in that place of gratitude and stay in that place of recognition of achievement, those will open the doors of that mind, will break down those brick walls of the brick lane that keeps you limited in your belief system to what is possible, what's possible in terms of what's available and abundant to have, to do, to be, and also the places and goals that you can achieve and the place that you can get. And with that, be present and enjoy the journey. So that is the end of my little pep talk. And I just wanted to to share that with you guys because I've been through a lot of this stuff and I've heard a lot and said a lot of the commentary that I said at the very beginning that I've been hearing. The limitations of belief, the I can't, the there isn't, I won't. And a lot of that is brought on by, you know, like I said, the times that we're in are very weighty and they're taking a lot of our self-resilience out of us. And so I just wanted to share some tools that you can use and some mindset perspectives that you can play with that hopefully will help you adjust how you're going through life right now, how you're progressing in your career right now, how you are framing out your sense of possibility and growth. Because there is enough for everyone. And if you break down the limiting beliefs, anything is possible. I am a testament to that. And I know a lot of people who are as well. And I see them every week in my Brand Design Masters goals, every day in the Brand Design Masters Facebook group and in my YouTube community and the people who respond to my newsletter. I hear incredible stories of manifestations of positive thinking, limitless belief, abundance, and success. And a lot of it is mindset. So I just wanted to share some of these thoughts and some of these experiences with you to try to help you possibly reframe where you might be in your life and your journey right now. I didn't start doing graphic design until I was 32. I was a fine artist through my 20s and into my beginning of my 30s. I had that kind of emotional and psychological watershed moment where I shifted careers away from fine art into the fashion industry and graphics for apparel, and then eventually into branding, design, packaging, big corporate stuff. That happened when I was 32 years old. So when I hear people who go, you know, I'm 24 and I haven't figured out what I'm going to do, I'm like, oh my God, chill out on yourself, explore, try some stuff. It's possible. You know, I started when I was 32. By the time I was 42, I was a VP in a corporate major corporation. Stuff can change and happen really quickly as soon as you kind of open yourself up to learning and open yourself up to newness. There are no boundaries anymore. I mean, every single creative professional in the United States is experiencing the fact, or in the Western world, is experiencing the compression of pricing in creative work from developing countries and China, India. And there are no international boundaries anymore. So your ability to do business in wherever, the EU, Europe, Australia, there are no boundaries. The only boundary is who you connect to and who you network with. And the network 
and series of connections and relationships that you build. That is the only barrier. How to increase international success? Start to interact with people who are in countries other than your own, where they have businesses or professional practices and start interacting with people in other countries. Start with the people who are in your industry, who are colleagues or cohorts or not prospective clients, but people who you can just network with to start to expand your sphere of influence. That's number one. Start publishing your content with a more international point of view. When you curate content, curate content that's of an international point of view. Take an international point of view when you publish ideas or thoughts or pieces or video or podcasts. You have to kind of adjust your mindset to a more international point of view in terms of networking relationships and content in order to develop that sphere. You guys have been awesome. I really, really appreciate your hanging out and spending this time with me. It was so much fun. I had such a good time. And I really appreciate you guys so much. I think a lot of people need this message right now, and I hope that you're able to get something from it. So again, my gratitude is that you guys are such amazing partners with me in this journey that I am on in sharing value and positivity and content and energy to grow and evolve and break through our limiting beliefs with me all together. So with that, thanks so much for hanging out with me. See you later. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.